Right, the text for this morning from the Gospel of Luke, our Gospel for this year. Now a large crowd were travelling with him. And Jesus turned to them and said, Whoever comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. None of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. Remember last week's reading? It was really tough, wasn't it? Who knew it was going to get worse? (laughs) This text was not written to us. Does that make you breathe a sigh of relief? It was written to first century people who were listening to Jesus. Now a large crowd were gathered listening to him. These things were said to actual people who might possibly follow the actual Jesus. We can't be disciples of Jesus. A disciple is someone who literally follows a teacher in a very physical way. And I underline this because otherwise we get into all sorts of trouble. What we normally do with a text like this is go, well, it's a bit tough. Um, I really, you know, sometimes me and my dad didn't get on, but I didn't hate him. Uh, all my brothers, and, and, and what about my own life? So we sort of pass over it with a sort of kind of slightly guilty sense of embarrassment. But the word disciple means people who follow Jesus. And in fact, the rest of the New Testament, it hardly ever gets used at all. It's never used in any of the other writings in the New Testament except the book of Acts. And the book of Acts, as you well know, is the second volume in the work that the Gospel of Luke is the first volume of. So whoever wrote the Gospel, it followed with the second volume, the book of Acts. And the word is the disciple is used there, but it's 90% of the time it's used about the 12 and the extended group of them who followed Jesus. So there were no disciples after that moment. Paul knew this particularly. And so when he talked about what it means to be connected to Jesus or connected to God, he used two incredible terms over and over again. Children of God and body of Christ. This is a very deep thing that Paul is reaching for. And Jesus himself heads towards the same thing in John's Gospel when he says, I'm not going to call you servants or followers anymore, but I'm going to call you friends because I've made known to you everything that I have understood from the Father. So Jesus is heading in that direction as well. But for Paul, it's all about body of Christ and children of God. And to be children is to have the same uh, genetic code, DNA, as your parents. It's Father's Day. Those of you who have been and are fathers, and those of you who've had fathers, which pretty much then covers all of us, (laughs) we carry the DNA 
of our fathers. We carry the same traits as our fathers. I look a bit like my dad. And I sound a lot like him. I just, there's nothing I can do about that. Most of it I'm glad about, but you know, not everything. And he did of his dad. You know, that's just the way it is. So when Paul talks about body of Christ and children of God, he's talking about the DNA of God being in you. It's a gift, your DNA, your genetic code, who you are intimately. It's a gift. You might not always want the gift. If your, if your ancestors had a particularly bad gene for a disease that you are now dealing with, it's not everything to get that. But, but it's all been... A, you didn't plan for it. You didn't organise it. You didn't set it up. It just appeared in you. To be a disciple of Jesus in Jesus' day was to abandon things. It was to abandon father and mother. Or in in a better way to put it, it's to abandon the identity that comes, the personal identity that comes from history, from who you are in a family. It's to let that go, which is a difficult thing to do. It's the single most significant personal identifier in the first century. Who you were and where you came from was the first and most significant thing. We still have an element of that, particularly if you live in the country. People want to know who your family is, where you connect. And if you know uh, and work in, uh, with Indigenous people, if you have that privilege, Indigenous communities are deeply connected with each other and they need to know where everybody fits in. Just the nature of it. And Jesus is saying if you are going to be a disciple, if you're going to be a physical follower of the physical Jesus... You're going to need to abandon that. You're going to need to pick up a cross. In other words, you're going to need to abandon your political identity. Because a criminal who carries a cross is a non-person. They've lost all the rights and responsibilities of being a citizen. You're going to need to abandon that. You're going to need to abandon your possessions. All cultural identity. All sense of what makes you who you are. What you've built up over time. And even of your own life, you're going to need to abandon your sense of control over your life. Now, I think Jesus was saying this because it's easy to get excited and want to follow someone who gives it a sense that they know what's going on and how you might be a part of that, how you might make sense of the world. We've seen it all the time in the last few years with authoritarian leaders whether they're deeply authoritarian, as we're seeing in China and in Russia, or sort of a kind of pretend authoritarian, as we see in people like Donald Trump. But it's people who give you a very clear idea. All that you need to do is, or the real problem is only that, and then you fill in whoever the bad guys happen to be at the moment. Anyone who offers a very simple answer to things, you really get drawn to... We all want that. God, it's just so complicated. It would be good if somebody could just stand up and give us a straightforward, simple answer to our major problem of climate change, of isolation and loneliness, of inequality, all of the things that we're dealing with. There is a kind of sense that would be good. But we know the thinking ones among us... No, that's. It's never that simple, is it? 
And that's what Jesus, I think, is doing. He's saying, look, it's not that simple. If you're going to be my follower, it's going to mean letting go of a whole bunch of things that seem to make sense but are actually more of a problem than they are a help. Now, Jesus is not saying here, first, if you want to be my disciple, you must give up all these things and then you'll be ready to be a disciple. But I think what he's saying is, if you become a disciple and if you start literally following me on the literal road, these things will just sort of disappear. You won't have all your possessions with you if you're on the road with me. You won't be controlled by or dictated to by your family experience because we will be out somewhere else. It's a whole other way of seeing the world. Okay, so if that's true for the first century, and I'm saying to you that I think this is not written to us, it's written to the first century. What could it mean for us? Is there anything useful we can take from this? Or is it just a piece of history? If we are children of God and body of Christ, if Paul is right and that we are so deeply connected to the divine, to the entire cosmos, that we have the DNA of it within us, and of course science is telling us we do, we are made up of exploded stars from out of what's possibly the Big Bang. We just are, that's innate in us, it's part of who we are, we are deeply connected. If Paul's right, then we need to understand, we need to discover, we need to be a part of what is our true nature, rather than living a false nature. This is what Paul talks about a lot. In Luke, it's talked about as seeing and hearing. Not just seeing, but really seeing. Not just hearing, but really hearing. All the way through the Gospel of Luke that we hear for this year. In John, it's such a profound thing in the Gospel of John that John uses the metaphor, has, has Jesus using the metaphor of being reborn. It's such a profound thing to understand how deeply interconnected we all are with each other, with the cosmos and with the divine that it's as if you've been reborn. In Mark, Mark's gospel goes on and on about staying awake. It's waking up to who we really are. We awake to our true nature, just like Sleeping Beauty, who lies there and lies there and lies there. And then the moment she's kissed by the prince, the moment she has a moment of awareness, she awakes into her full true life. And then, rather than having a series of things we must do, we must give up this and we must stop doing that, don't drink, swear, go to the movies, dance, all the things that some of us learnt in past times. Maybe for good reason, but they become restrictive. It's not about giving up, it's about things just evaporate. I am no longer controlled or grounded in my family history, all the good things that I can somehow rely on and all the horrible things that contain me, they no longer are true. They're there, but they're not the truth of who I am. The truth of who I am is body of Christ, the DNA of God, children of God. No longer grounded by the public perception, my public persona, 
how I look in to other people, how important it is for me to look right, to sound right, to fit in. It's the, I think what Jesus means by picking up the cross, it's, it's by losing all of that identity and recognising who I truly am, deeply am. And yeah, my public persona is important to me. I don't want people to not like me. I don't want people to think I'm ridiculous or to disrespect me. But when that happens, as it always does, there's a deeper understanding of who I am that, has the, that holds the truth. And I'm no longer grounded. We are no longer grounded by the things that we own, the, the things that we've built up, the life that we have said we are. Because all those things will go. You will move out of where you live into a retirement home. You'll move out of where you live into nursing care. Many of us will do that. And we're lucky that we can. And we'll all leave in a box eventually. And all our stuff won't go with us. We know that. Our deeper sense of who we are is beyond the things we own. It's not even invested in our own personality, my own sense of myself, which go, comes and goes. Sometimes I feel alive and full in the world and sometimes I feel small and diminished. That's just my experience of it. Deeper than that, though, in my DNA, in the core of who I am as a human being, child of God, body of Christ. Then our lives are no longer built if you ever went to Sunday school, you'll remember this story, the man who builds his house on the sand. And the wind comes, it's in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 7, I think. Um, it, it, the wind comes and it just blows it over. There's another man who builds his house on the rock. This is what Jesus is talking about. It's building ourselves, it, it, understanding ourselves deeply grounded in who we truly are. And it doesn't feel like this most of, most of the time. Life is hard. It's complicated, it's confusing, and it's deeply painful. But if this is true, it changes who we are and how we feel about ourselves and each other. We literally are interconnected. We literally are a part of the whole universe. We literally are, in Paul's language, body of Christ and children of God. Amen.